who would you say your primary customers are currently and then where would you like to see your primary customers grow to or expand to great question um so today our primary customer by revenue is still consumers people at home i mean this is a market that we uh we serve really elegantly i think at this point like we're beyond the growth stage you know if you like view my business i say we're a mature business when it comes to serving yeah, um, everyday consumer, residential homeowners. Yeah. Hey, I just want to test my tap water and see how good it is because, you know, I've been hearing horror stories about all kinds of stuff in my water, whether it's lead or PFAS or whatever, right? I want to know, right? They, they're calling you to get the answers. Right. And um, our kind of fastest growing group of clients is the small business. The okay. small business can be like a home inspector, a plumber, a water filtration company. Yep. So while I'd say consumers were growing 50% year on year, I feel like these other sectors are more like still doubling and tripling. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders, climate champions, and sustainability professionals who are making an impact in their businesses today. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Hello, ET Nation. It's time to spread the word about this podcast. If you're just tuning in for the first time, well, welcome. We are honored to have you here with us. Please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review about this episode. We really need to increase our listener participation to increase our podcast ratings, and we can do that by leaving reviews on Apple Podcast. If you are a longtime listener, well, thank you. Uh, if you haven't gone to my website lately, uh, please sign up for our newsletter, blog posts, and email announcements, and do it now. Go to www.seankgrady.com. That's www.seankgrady.com. And become a member of the ET Nation today. We look forward to having you join us. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Grady, and today's guest is Johnny Pujol. And uh, Johnny, he is the co-founder and CEO of Simple Lab. Simple Lab is the pioneering the lab services, and uh, they are making it easy for an everyday user to uh, order ser lab services and get analytical results on their tap water and other water sources. And so, Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, you know, you guys have uh, got a really great product out there. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, have a conversation about what you guys are doing in the water space and the analytical lab testing space. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring you on the show. Uh, let's tell us a little bit about yourself, if you could, Johnny, and then what kind of services that, you know, Simple Lab and you guys offer. Yeah, gladly. Um, my name is Johnny. I grew up in Connecticut and uh, went to Boston University. I studied economics. I was a passionate um, science fiction and fantasy fiction writer uh, in my spare time. It's always been my hobby, uh, especially like Harry Potter fan fiction. I just like, yeah. absolutely love, love that stuff. Um, really big into fitness and general well-being, health, etc. Anyway, in 2009, I moved out to Berkeley, California enrolled in graduate school out here um, with a focus on electrochemistry and water treatment. Uh, never completed my PhD, but did along the way um, have a good idea, I think. And truth be told, it wasn't even my own idea. It was um, kind of a, the precipitation of many bad ideas. Um, ultimately, we, we figured out through the course of, of piloting some technology, electrochemical arsenic treatment during my graduate studies that there was a big gap in the market for people who wanted to understand their water quality better. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the CCR, which um, some people know about, most people don't. Um, 
There is, you know, Google searching and blog information about your water quality, usually information that comes to you from filtration companies. And there was all this news about uh, contaminated water and Flint and the media and social media were getting a little bit wiser to the topic of environmental health and wiser to the topic of water quality. 23andMe had done an outstanding job presenting what I consider the tip of an iceberg, the kind of at-home diagnostic iceberg. Yep. And we said, you know what? I see the kind of uh, constellation coming together. People are going to want more resources, uh, more professional resources, access to environmental testing um, at home. And so we, we began by selling a, a very consumer-friendly water quality testing kit, a service called TapScore. And that was in 2018, 2019. Okay. Um, and ever since then, you know, I've been racing towards our future and, and kind of in the last couple of years, we realized, you know, this is much bigger than a simple consumer brand for water testing. There's a major opportunity to find efficiency, save money, increase speed, reduce headaches in lab procurement in general. Yeah. Anyone, you know, anyone who's listening to the podcast, I think, who has collected water samples or ordered water samples or been involved in that very oftentimes kind of hairy and confusing world of lab testing and lab certifications and sampling protocols and results interpretations and flagged data knows That's that it is <laughs> not easy, right? So yeah. we, we, we kind of, we, 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 over the course of four or five years, our company has really learned, our team has really learned how to make a difference in this particular um, arena of making laboratory testing procurement and laboratory reports just much easier and faster for everyone involved. Yeah, I mean that's a great that's great that you you bring this up. I mean it is complicated for an everyday person. I mean you know how would you know which lab to contact to you know run some analytical tests on your own tap water and and where do those you know uh, testing laboratories exist and you know what do I do with the data when I get it? How do I interpret it? And you know how do I you know uh, evaluate the the data against criteria and things like that. Those are all questions that, you know, a normal everyday person would have a lot of difficulty doing. And uh, so kudos to you with this, uh, this, this, uh, your simple lab approach here. Um, you know, so, so you kind of went through that process, you realize there's a huge opportunity in, in, in streamlining the lab uh, testing services. Um, you know, how did you weave in the whole digital innovation with with this whole process, too? Because, you know, that is like making it easier for the consumer to, you know, access the information and, and you know, streamline the process. You know, um, digital is always this like kind of contentious word, right? Because, I mean, frankly, in, if you're trying to be a, a new business today in the water space, um, I think you have to be digital. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it's the manual stuff, the, um, or I should say the um, kind of old way of doing things is really refined. And in a sense, you can't really innovate too much there. On, on uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, water is such an old industry and it's undergone so many points of refinement and there are so many brilliant people, so much money, so much in technology that's been refined over, you know, I mean, you could argue millennia. So yeah. if you want to innovate, you got to do something different. And it just turns out that, you know, the zeitgeist now is like digital innovation, which really, I guess, in our world just means using uh, software to make certain decisions. Yeah. Um, so I guess our core thing digitally is that we've gone to hundreds of labs across the United States, just now shy of about 225. And these are facilities operated by the biggest labs, PACE, Eurofins, SGS, BV, and the smallest labs, mom and pop shops that are running, you know, under two, under $3 million in revenue a year, but they've got a geographic advantage or they have some kind of particular assay they can run that very few others can run. Mm -hmm. And we've indexed all of these labs as certif certifications, instrumentation, capabilities. And we said, listen, if you do that, you have what's called, you know, in modern parlance, a, a platform, right? Or a marketplace. You know what all the labs are capable of doing, what their turnaround times are. Um, and it becomes very interesting then to decide when a customer is collecting a sample and telling you 
that they're collecting that sample through an application of some sort, you can decide at that moment which lab to assign that sample to. As a result, you get the fastest report, you get results faster. You're not sending it to a lab you spoke to two months ago. You're getting a faster report. Um, you're less likely to have some kind of interruption on quality control. You know, instruments aren't going to be down because you're sending it to a lab that is like ready, waiting, and willing to run that method that you need, the certifications you need, you know, on yeah. a Wednesday. Right. right. Um, and then the report you get back isn't just that, you know, 10, 40 page lab yeah, report. Document, yeah. You also get an HTML file. You also get a downloadable EDD or CSV. Now, the CSV is obviously already ubiquitous. But yeah. The HTML file and the fact that you get all of this data from all of these different labs, as it may be, in one singular format, regardless of whether it's a Eurofin sample or a Pace sample or a microback sample, the fact that you get all these results back in one common language, one common API, one format saves a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and especially if you're handling hundreds and hundreds of test kits. Right. Right. Oh, um, yeah. So there are some very simple advantages to the digital innovation there, which is just basic time savings. But there are also, I think, more um, maybe like maybe more exciting, more compelling advantages down the line, which is that you can suddenly use this network of labs around this country. And I'd say a, an almost tribally organized system of late has become a bit more like a network now. Right. And when that happens, it's more efficient to find the best labs. It's more efficient to identify which is the best lab for a particular test that you need, the fastest lab. And if you do that, more people do more testing. And if more people do more testing and they do it in a digitally native fashion, you have more data. And if you're smart and you're lucky, more testing means more data means smarter decisions. Could also mean better pricing too. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. If you send a sample, if you like call up a random laboratory and say, hey, I want a, a microplastics test or pharmaceuticals in a wastewater sample test. Right. Chances of that lab actually running that assay are fairly low. So you might have to call 20 or 30 labs before you find the lab that is going to yeah, run you're that gonna test. Waste, not waste, but you're going to burn a lot of time to finally find that right lab instead of, you know, just reaching out to your network and your system that's got uh already contracted or, you know, established labs already, you know, set up to take these types of samples and, and, and run them. I mean, it takes the time, um, a lot of extra wasted, I guess, time uh, from the user. You know, the one question I had for you when you kind of mentioned like, hey, I want to require, I'm requesting a, a, a lab sample for this uh, parameter or something. Um, does your system automatically identify the most effective, uh, you know, I guess, lab that has the capacity um, based on use or just, you know, I guess, knowledge of, of what's going on? Or is there um, any opportunity for the user to select the lab they want, you know, in the process? How does that work, you know? Both. So for our consumer store, mytapscore.com, the user does not get to choose the labs. They get a certified lab. Okay. And that's kind of it. I mean, they you can reach out. Uh, yeah, you streamline the process. You pick the best lab. You, yeah, depending on geographic area, you know where it should go. And it's it's just behind the scenes, black box, it gets done. Whether, if you're a professional user, however, you have full control over the types of labs that will be used. We have some clients that insist on a single lab being used, a single facility every single time. Yeah, right. And then you have other, uh, more more commonly, professionals come in and they say, hey, you know, I don't really care which lab it is. They just need to meet these certifications. I need to submit these results to my Department of Public Health. Right, right. Um, and so th that ends up confining the list. And our algorithm just runs the same, you know, regarding uh, uh, it takes into account the user's specifications when when they go to send it in. Sure, sure. So you guys have started the company in around, you said, what, 2018? Is that right? Or did I get that wrong? It's, you know, it's not a fuzzy thing because in the beginning, you know, there was some other, we, we, were, we were trying a couple of things that didn't really work out before this started to grab traction. And I'd say the traction of Simple Lab, of modern day Simple Lab, probably began in 2019. Okay. All Between right. 2017 and 2018, um, it, it was ugly. So I'm glad there's no historical record of what we were doing during those two years. <laughs> hey, you know, managing a startup is challenging. And, and I, I, I'm, 
I'm part of some of those, uh, you know, experiences myself. And, and they can be challenging when you know you've got a great idea, you know, you have uh, a lot of uh, interest and opportunities and potential growth, but it's challenging to get people to come on board. It's challenging at times to find the funding, you know, and, and have the time and, and have the other, uh, you know, experts come alongside you to help, you know, grow your, your product and, and system in the same, you know, all in the same boat and same team moving forward. Right. I mean, it's, it can be challenging. Um, you know, I know you guys are, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the, in the kind of a, you're still quote, quote unquote in the startup phase. Is that, is that accurate to say, uh, or are you moved past it? Now you're, in more of the we're in growth mode here or what what uh, how would you ca characterize simple lab at this point great question it, it really depends i think on, on how you're viewing it i think from in in the long you know i feel like the water industry operates on geological time frames and in that sense we're a startup yeah right okay um but in terms of our I think penetration, we're probably more, uh, slightly more mature than that now, given, you know, we, we have a pretty substantial footprint in both uh, the informational testing sector, but increasingly among kind of professional users. Um, I, I feel like we're, we're like a graduating senior in high school, about to go to college, maybe okay. that summer, yeah. <laughs> freshman year of college. It's, her, it's, her now. <laughs> it's happening, you know, like uh, puberty has happened and there's some exciting stuff ahead and we're looking forward to, I think, learning more, but we have a better sense of what we want, what we like. Right. right. And we're kind of going after it with, uh, you know, in the big true startup feeling is like, how the hell are we going to pay everyone next month, right? Yeah, right, right? How are we going to find a customer, right? Like that feeling is long gone. It's right. now, it's oh, now, okay, well, how do we prioritize? How do we keep scaling this thing, right? <laughs> yeah, where is the next, you know, where's the next $100 million in revenue? Where are you going to find that? Like, and where right. do we have the right advantage? Um, what do we need to do, step to your point, staffing wise? Like, it's really, one of the things I found most difficult is the, is, you know, bringing on new team members is tough as a fast growing company because your incumbent team has learned everything in the best way possible through failure, right? Yeah, like right. There's, no, there's no better lesson learned, right? So like your incumbent team just inherently, we all kind of know things now about you know, why we do things a certain way. Um, and when you bring someone else on, it can be very tricky to I mean, we don't have the resources. We don't hand them a guidebook and put them through a three-month rotation program, you know, yeah, yeah. like yeah, Goldman yeah, Sachs might like or, you know. Help in and start helping. <laughs> right. So that is a real challenge, you know. Yeah. Um, it seems so trivial at first. And, you know, you think that that can never really be a challenge, but it really is. It's, it's hard to get everyone on the same page when, you know, you most of the time haven't written everything down. Right. No, I totally get that part. Uh, 100%. I mean, cause you're so busy just managing the business that you currently are trying to grow and you don't have time to put SOPs in place and training programs and, and, you know, uh, mentoring program. I mean, it's like, no, we need help every, every day right now, just to keep the lights on and keep growing with the clients that are demanding our services. I, get, I mean, it's tough. I get it. Um, Today's episode is sponsored by Cascade Environmental. Cascade's Compass Corporate Sustainability Program has been helping consultants balance economic, social, and environmental impacts of remediation on projects since 2014. Achieve your sustainable remediation goals by drawing on Cascade's leading national capacity, technical expertise, and their performance-focused approach to support any stage of your project lifecycle. When looking for a firm that can help you meet your sustainable remediation goals, then look no further than Cascade Environmental. To learn more, go to www.cascade-env.com. That's www.cascade-env.com. So I know you've got some investment support from Mazarin Ventures. Uh, there, um, uh, we just interviewed John Robinson recently on on the podcast, and he spoke very highly of you guys. And uh, so I just wanted to give him a shout out uh, to yeah to John, and and I uh, know Johnny, you yep. appreciate that. Um, you know what's the what's the relationship like that with a, a, a venture uh, cap, you know capital type investment company to help you guys grow? Talk a little bit about the importance of that. There are. 
I'll start with the, you know, kind of with John with Mazarin in a sense, but I think it's just quickly worth noting. There are so many types of these relationships, right? Um, John, for example, uh, hopefully I'm not getting too personal here, but Mazarin um, is incredibly devoted to the water sector, to like finding, yep. to hitting a home run. So it's like having uh, additional team members. Yeah. I can go, I can go to Mazarin with any question and I never am kind of embarrassed or ashamed or second guessing myself for asking that question. Right. Right. It, it's like a teammate. That's, um, love and it. That, that, that is, it, it, I think it's, you know, it's so, uh, it's, it's rare for sure. And you can't even say who it's going to happen with. I feel like if you're raising money as a, as a young company and you, in the beginning, you're like, okay, I guess I'm spending Christmas dinner with these nine people now for the rest of my life. I've never met them before. We met on LinkedIn, blah, 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 blah. But like, you don't realize how significant really the commitment yeah, is going right, to be. Right, right. And so you, and you also don't know which ones are going to, are, are, are going to kind of feel a different way, you know? And so you, you, you know, time tells you, okay, okay. This is the kind of investor who is going to go to bat for me, no matter what, if right. it's one o'clock in the morning, they'll answer the call. Um, so you have all types of investors and I think I've learned a lot about how important it is that, and I, I was actually saying this in someone's LinkedIn post the other day, you know, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, just try to get money. Like all I need is money and, um, I'll figure out the rest because usually that's the most like starved resource in a sense. It's also yeah. the easiest one to kind of put your finger on. Yeah. Um, but honestly, the money will come if you find someone who really wants to give it to you, right? And, and it's like a matchmaking process. It's like a dating game. And you're out there saying, this is who I am. This is what I believe in, what we're doing. And you somehow need to get enough people to listen that you find the person that's like, oh my God, yeah, 100%, I'm in. Let's do this. Right. Those are going to be your best investors. And, and, and that's where you'll get the 10x return from the investor, I think. And it's very hard to get that, make that relationship because- you know, it's got to be exhausting being an investor all the time being pitched, you know, oh, every all the time. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and just, to but I think at the same time, you guys are also in that relationship looking for kind of like what you mentioned earlier, a little mentor support too. Right. You know, you could go to them with questions. They can give you some guidance or direction. They've got a little skin in the game too, to make sure that, you know, they're not just giving you uh, you know, platitudes here. Right. They're really trying to help you, you know, scale and grow too. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we have the privilege of being a, a very, I think a very successful startup and, you know, knocking on wood here, never really had to face, um, I'd say like the truly most difficult conversations one has to have with investors sometimes. And like, I, I just shudder thinking what those feel like. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I want to just acknowledge that I think the investor is, is always going to be on your side, but not, I shouldn't say always, like, Almost yeah, always, they're, they're gonna try right? to hold you accountable <laughs> too, right? <laughs> it's a very, it's a very interesting relationship. You learn a lot from the relationship, just like you do from every, every other human relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, this 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 company for me has been all about relationships. You know, my father is our CFO, and that has been a tremendously interesting way of kind of growing up. Um, you know, uh, you know, working together in, in such an intimate way. Um, a number of my closest friends are the, were the kind of co-founders and first employees of this company. Um, and yeah, so like relationships is, are, are just, have always been really vital. And I know there's other companies for which that's not true, where it's like, you know, you, you go out there and you, you kind of, I don't want to say mercenary, but you get the best person for the job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think there's one way to do it or the other. And the key thing is to just not get too obsessed with one of those two. I mean, it, trust me, it works if you hire really smart friends too. Um, sure. Yeah. You need to be, you need to be judicious. It'll sometimes bite you in the butt, you know, and you'll, you'll regret it. That does happen to me too, but it's, it can, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin everything. It's a learning process. You know, I think uh, any good manager or entrepreneur, you know, you only grow by making mistakes, right? I mean, yeah, I've had my good, 
fair share of duds that I've hired that I'm like, oh gosh, that didn't go well. And then I've had a handful that are just, you know, are amazing, right? They, they will go toe to toe in the trenches with you no matter what. And, um, you know, I just had lunch today with one of those staff and um, I couldn't have been more happy to, to, you know, meet up with them because they don't work under me anymore. Uh, they're, they moved on and, and things like that. But, you know, they say, you know, you were the best boss, Sean. I, you know, we, we did everything, you know, we, it was like, wow, you know, you just made my day because, you know, maybe I'm a little down the dumps and they just sprinkled a little joy in your life. And you're like, wow, you had an impact and it was, it's great. It's just a good feeling to know. And, and that's the kind of thing you, you make good decisions and you make bad ones and you just got to learn from them. Right. Work is weird. It's, it's, you know, it's like kind of all we do. I mean, and then you've got family time and your personal time as well. But like work sure. is a big chunk of your life, man. It's oh, like, 100%. yeah, at least, in, you know, so I think, yeah, the human relationship, if that's not a big part of it for you, uh, I can't really relate. Yeah. hundred percent. You got to have, you know, and it, you know, it's gotta be what sparks a lot of your, your personal drive to get up and go to work every day. You know, it's those relationships you're, you're working with and, you know, we talk about, um, you know, your product and you know, if we get back on track with that a little bit, your primary customers, Johnny, are who would you say your primary customers are currently? And then where would you like to see your primary customers grow to or expand to? Great question. Um, so today, our primary customer by revenue is still consumers, people at home. I mean, this yeah. is a market that we. Uh, we serve really elegantly, I think, at this point. Like, we're beyond the growth stage. You know, if you, like, view my business, I'd say we're a mature business when it comes to serving yeah. um, information. Yeah, consumer, residential, own homeowners. Yeah. Hey, I just want to test my tap water and see how good it is because, you know, I've been hearing horror stories about all kinds of stuff in my water, whether it's lead or PFAS or whatever, right? I want to know, right? They, they're calling you to get the answers. Right. And... Um, our kind of fastest growing group of clients is the small business. The okay. small business can be like a home inspector, a plumber, a water filtration company. Yep. So while it's a consumers were growing 50% year on year, I feel like these other sectors are more like still doubling and tripling. Uh -huh. Um, and they're very, they're not, it's not, it's not too difficult to understand why they're, they're almost more like the consumer in a way than they are like a large engineering firm. These are teams of three to 25, 30 people and many of the same questions. They don't have in-house um, analytical chemical expertise. They don't have in-house logistics support. And so plugging into Simple Lab is a big win. And for many of the same reasons, now the product, the product changes a little bit because they stop using Tapscore and they start using Simple Lab. Right. Um, moving forward, I would like to continue that trend. There are, you know, I hope I'm not exaggerating, millions of small businesses in the United States. Oh, yeah. Right? I think the number is millions. Um, millions. And they, it's a lot. <laughs> they should all be doing more environmental testing. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just think of uh, just the small mom and pop type, you know, companies that have their own, um, permits for you know wastewater discharge or something like that you know there's they, they they have minimal environmental compliance requirements but they have an obligation to sample and report you know this would be like the key you know an ideal spot for them to pick up you know a contract with simple lab to take on that testing lab service capability for them i mean i i yeah totally but i i kind of think you know i'm thinking out loud here johnny though but i mean there are so many large companies that have so much data and analytical testing requirements. Then they don't have formula. They don't have formal systems. They are still doing old school way of, of managing and they'll have maybe one account or maybe they'll have, you know, every region they like, literally I just came off a project where some of the clients that we're working with, and they had, I don't know, maybe 15 different locations. Everyone had a different lab. And, and, and yeah. you know, so yeah. they're all using it. But but they all need the same data at some point to run, in, you know, some, you know, uh, compliance reporting data. You know, it's like, wow, these are the types of opportunities that you can go into a larger company that is, uh, you know, more sophisticated 
but still, they're still struggling with this type of um, data, lab data management program. Um, and we see it every day. Um, so I think you got, you got a lot of upside there for sure. I mean, there's, I think, a big opportunity in that space too. But I like where you're at, where you're saying, hey, let's get these little guys who need the help. Simple, simplifies their process. I mean, that's great to hear. Um, you know, what are but some of the challenges? Point, though, yeah, just to, not, not, not to interrupt you for too long, just this. You know, we've, we, we are trying to enter this larger engineering space. Okay. And we've learned something that is, I think, um, that has, it, it's like, a, it's like the, the scent, we have, we caught the scent of something, which is that for us to succeed in these larger engineering spaces, we need to develop this lab API that I evangelize, you know, every chance I get. Yeah. Um, which is that like our services can be plugged into your company's applications you yep. can configure test kits inside of your own website inside of your own applications your teams your customers can order test kits through your applications and simple lab is just a logistics partner sitting in the back end making sure everything happens smoothly and nobody at your company needs to label kits ship things get yeah. shipping labels right organize coolers stuff like that i think that's going to be our our kind of magnum opus um, but it is to your point going to be very difficult considering how much entrenched behavior there is on oh, this front. Yeah. I mean, some of the experience I've had is that you really, you need to be able to talk to the, to the IT professionals in these companies, like mm -hmm. at their level, right? You just, I mean, it's not the buyer. Typically the buyer is like the environmental person who like, yeah, I need a system to help me, but they're not the real decider you got to talk to the it people who run the systems and that's not the, the the environmental people's you know arena and they can't talk the talk and they need you know so you got to take a one-two punch when you go into these types of sales at least that's been mm -hmm. my experience and 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 then that way you've got this you know ability to address both buyers concerns yeah and so that's some of the things i've learned so um, and I'm, sure, I'm sure you know that too. That's good to hear. Um, Did you know E-Tank is the only environmental rental equipment company in the industry that offers a 100% certified clean guarantee at no additional cost? Well, this gives customers the peace of mind knowing that container contents from the previous renter isn't going to cross-contaminate the contents of the current customer and potentially cause liability concerns. You know, E-Tank also provides a one-of-a-kind complete maintenance program for all its rental items, including liquid-tight roll-off containers, fluid transfer pumps, and filtration system components. To learn more about the types of containers and pumps E-Tank supplies, check out their website at www.etank.net. So the next time you are faced with an environmentally challenging project, give E-Tank a call to help solve your problem. It's just that easy. What are some of the challenges that you know most people don't realize when they're running, when they're trying to contract with a lab? I mean, like if you're an everyday person, you're like, hey, yeah, like hey, I want to I want to get a test run. I mean, like some of the challenges. What, what what would you say that you're solving for in your 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 program? Oh gosh, this is a, this is the question we think about all the time because it, it is very hard to imagine what it's like not to know what you know, right? Um, and so, you know, we, we have a live chat support on the Tapticore website, as you might expect. And, you know, we're hundreds of conversations a day with people who have no idea what they're about to order or why they're ordering it or, you know, and you know, I'll tell you, I'll, let me just, I'll try and rifle them off. It's what to test for. It's how am I going to collect the sample? Like, what is this experience going to look like? I've never done this before. Yeah. It's. Um, how do I make sure I'm getting it done in, in, in the right lab? It's, is this an expensive price or a cheap price? You know, some people come to our website and tap score and they're like, this is so expensive. And I mean, be honest, it, it, it is expensive to spend $250 on a water test. Yeah. But if you were to try and get that same panel, uh, calling up a lab yourself, you spend easily three or four times that. And so there's the pricing discussion. Um, then there's a the matter of, I think, like understanding the results. People yeah. are very um, ill-equipped 
by nature to understand what four ppb of arsenic or 12 ppb of lead means yep yep um and then there's the matter of remediation or treatment at home where people have to again learn a new language about filtration and treatment technologies and reduction and membranes and absorption and adsorption and i mean this is this is this is not the kind of stuff that you build a consumer business around because it's just too much customer education normally yeah to to do well so but nonetheless these are the questions going through people's heads when they when they arrive on the scene usually something has happened to um make them think almost everyone's doing this for the first time so you know i'd say 10 percent of our customers on the consumer side have done this before mm. small number they're coming into this for the first time so there's a lot of learning there's a there's you know you have to hold hands you have to be willing to hold hands for a while um we've decided listen if you if you don't if you're not ready to buy a test kit on mytapscore.com go you know, contact each of the labs you want you know, yeah, try it, try it yourself and see how try it, yourself. it is and challenging it is to set it up. And yeah, uh, yeah. Or, and, and or we, you can only embrace that strategy as a business model if you know, if you know the answer is going to point right back at you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So consumers know very, pre no precious little. They, they usually come in uh, afraid because something happened in the news. Yeah. And there's a lot um, going on there right now, right? I mean, there's a lot to be yeah. worried about. I mean, let's be honest, between lead and copper in, in your pipes and and uh, in your drinking water, and then also now PFAS being a big emerging contaminant that people are being exposed to. I mean, that's got a lot of concern for, for a lot of people, you know, especially in the environmental industry. Um, and it's hard not to fear monger, right? Like we, yeah. spend, we, we spend a lot of sweat trying to thread the needle between selling our product and not fear mongering. Like we don't want to stoop to that level. We don't want anyone to think we're stooping to that level. Um, you know, and, and that means everyone from the kind of customer service person who's online at midnight on a Saturday to, yeah. um, to myself, we all need to be in unison about like, hey, you don't need to be that concerned about five PPT of PFAS. Yeah. Right, like, and, and, you know, we, we don't run a business where every result is terrifying. We run a business yeah, where we're trying to help right. people understand this very complex and ambiguous world of toxicology and epidemiology at the same time as buying a water test. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and you can help interpret what the results mean to some to some level, but the, but then, you know, the user has to take that information and do it, do with that, you know, they have to make decisions on their own what they want to do with it. It's not your problem to deal with, right? You're just providing the information. Um Talk a little bit about like the user journey. Like, you know, what's the ordering process look like for, you know, a consumer? Hey, I want to, I want to order something from you guys. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, uh, we, most people start with a reason they've come to us, uh, a change in smell or taste, something in the local news, um, uh, a baby on the way. And they they either self-serve going through our website and kind of identifying the problems we have some expect the tools you might expect for like diagnosing your own issues like a build your own test tell us what your concerns are tell us what you're noticing here are the tests we recommend we have stuff like that now Big, most, kind of a guided process to get them to where they they want to be with the sample request yeah but you still have 30 to 50 percent of people at home who just want to talk to a human being Right. So we have live chat, we have email, we've got phone. And we are, we try to do those things as efficiently as possible whilst being good listeners and providing um, support. We, it, it's kind of like, I mean, this is, this sounds like we're tooting, I'm tooting my own horn here, but it's kind of like being a doctor. You have to listen to this weird list of symptoms um, and you have to prescribe some testing in a way, but you can't do that at, you know, we're not health professionals. Right. Um, we're a business trying to sell test kits. So um, we're trying to do that to our kind of spirit and ethics and morality all the time. And it can be tricky for sure. Um, the, the, the customer journey is for us is really about building and establishing trust through right. that, through showing that, that kind of ethics and through showing that, Hey, listen, we're not just trying to sell you as much as possible. We're certainly not trying to do that. Um, we're trying to sell you what matches up to what you describe 
you're looking for and somehow to articulate what is not worth your money, what is worth your money. And we're probably good at that, but not best yet. I mean, we still have ways. To, we learn so much every every day, really, but we're still getting better at that. Right, right. So one of the benefits that uh, I read and, and you guys have talked about um, when you collect the data and the data is there and now we know we have it and the, and the information is provided back to the user. There are some you know data sources that you're kind of using for you know, evaluating the, you know, against that, that result against criteria. Talk about how you're pulling that information and comparing it and, and helping the user understand what it means. So someone who orders a test, gets the results back, historically would just see a list of analytes that were tested, cast number, detection, some quality control data, name of the analyst, you know, maybe a, a flag of some sort. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just usually not enough to articulate if something's a problem or not. Maybe there's a word like, like safe or risk, right? But that's the conventional lab report. And we went in and we said, okay, we're going to introduce some basics like color and um, allow the user to see if an arsenic level is at a dangerous level by virtue of color and by virtue of the length of a, of a bar, of a kind of risk bar. Yeah. That turned out to itself not be quite enough either. Because you have to then answer the question, well, what is risky? Yeah. And so we said, okay, you, you got people out there who are religious about the MCL. And you have people who are out there religious about health goals and MCLGs and PHGs and about, like, say, their state's health goal versus the federal health goal. Yeah. And then you've got people out there who are really just trying to decide if they should buy bottled water or drink their tap water. Um, and so you have these different, everyone is going to kind of look at the report with a different sense of what is their ideal. And so what we do is we allow you to look at all of your results and change the colors and shapes of those bars, tell you if arsenic is high or low based upon a comparison to MSCL, MCLG, public health goal, if you're in California, average of bottled water data that's been tested by our company compared to different brands. You can also look at the average well owner in your area, average city water customer in your area and compare to averages. If you're kind of a FOMO sort of person, you're like, where do I, where do I relate to my neighbors? Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to give you as many ways as possible to, to like get, get a sense of where you're sitting. So there's a bunch of data analytics that are running in the back end of this this uh, machine you've uh, created in a sense too, because you know, you've got analytical data. You've also got some geospatial data or, you know, where, you know, where these samples are being collected from like the, this home lives here and this house is over, you know, two blocks over. And, and this is all becoming, you know, animized data for, you know, better reporting and better analysis of the, you know, trends in, in, in the region. Right. Yeah. We, we not only, we, we pull in a lot of, uh, uh, public data, which anyone who has wrestled with this public data before, you know, it's uh, wrestling just begins to describe the experience. It is <laughs> it's not easy. And especially if you're trying to do it on a national scale. It's one thing if you live in California, California does a great job of providing a lot of water quality data, these benchmarks. But if you try to do the same thing across the country, you quickly learn how different things are in New Hampshire and Florida and Texas and Minnesota and Vermont and Michigan and California, right? So you you know, we've done quite a lot of work to, you know, continuously ingest and compare people's samples to that, those data sources as well. Um, and uh, again, I think, I think it's, it's mostly there so that the, you know, maybe only 5% of people really care about their average in their county. Sure. But, but when that person comes up and has that question, it's much better to have the data in front of them already than to have them come in through phone or email or live chat and have to have this awkward conversation back and forth while whilst comparing county level data with their lab report. It's better to just do that natively. So right. we've chosen to kind of do all that work on the back end to make right. sure people can naturally just do that on their own. Uh, that's great. That's great. Um, talk about, you know, right now, emerging contaminants is the hottest topic in the water industry. I mean, really, it, it you know, how simple lab positioning itself to support the testing needs for PFOS and, and consumers or, industry or you know affected you name it who's affected by PFOS you know because I, I got a sense that this is going to be 
potentially a major game changer for you guys in your business at some point here, if it's not already becoming that. Yeah, it, it already is. I mean, PFAS is, uh, you know, we ship hundreds of PFAS test kits, um, mostly to consumers, but increasingly to businesses. I think it's going, it, I mean, it feels a bit still like the wild west in a, in a planet that hasn't had a wild west for a long time. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, you have, a, you have a major issues with quality control with PFAS across the industry. Sampling is incredibly complicated. Um, and you have the 3M settlement, which is a huge ticket item, just kind of strangely looming in our landscape. It's massive. Right? Over 10, 12 you, billion dollars. I mean, crazy. Some clients out there who don't even want to do testing because they're afraid of the repercussions. And there's other clients out there who are looking at as an opportunity to get the money they deserve to, you know, fix up their treatment systems. Yeah. And you have everything in between. And then on top of that, you have the fact that the water industry is a kind of strange place that this whole conversation has landed because PFAS is a problem in your furniture too, it's in your food, place, right? Right. Yeah. I've heard some pretty smart people like this isn't my area. So I'm just, I'm borrowing from others here. You know, water quality isn't really your biggest PFAS risk. No, it's um, like the scotch guard on your couch and the right, so, vortex jacket and the, and the, you know, nonstick pan you fry your food with. And, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, or it's in the food you're eating and you don't know it, uh, or it's in the packaging. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere, right? That's the problem. So how do you, uh, how do you set a course and stick to it when you have all of these opposing factors, you know, and we're just saying, listen, our goal as a company, make PFAS test kits, no matter which analytical method you're procuring, make the test kits as cheap, as fast to get results, as reliable as possible. Um, and you know, we're a logistics company, focus, focus, focus. We don't need to have answers to all of those questions, but we do need to know, you know, which labs can run PFAS by which method and give you results fastest, most reliably. And, and, you know, we're just really trying to hunker into that space and be very good at that. I think meanwhile, there are, there's, you know, a storm around us in a sense, oh. and we're just trying not to get swept up in it, but just stay focused at, at the logistics level. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I, that, I mean, that's a good point. You know, stay focused on that logistic level. Keep those uh, analytical testing uh, uh, contracts tight with those labs. So that way and make sure they're uh, they're approved to do all the methods. You'll be in good shape, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is exciting. This is exciting times for lab world. For oh, sure. yeah. Right. I mean, and I think, yeah, you mentioned that there is a bit of some concern about, you know, the 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 way you collect samples in this space, especially around PFAS, because it's like cross-contamination come out so quickly, so easily with something else. So, you know, what bottles are you using and, and what's the, you know, all that stuff is, can be pretty tricky. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot to it. It's not that straightforward. Um, this podcast is sponsored by the Alliance of Hazardous Material Professionals. As the premier membership association devoted to the professional advancement of hazardous material management, the AHMP membership includes thousands of the nation's leading experts in the environmental health and safety, sustainability, and security management field. The AHMP envisions a world where the earth is unburdened by pollution, everyone has a healthy and safe work environment, and hazardous materials are used and transported safely and efficiently. Their mission is to support their community by listening to its members, exchanging industry knowledge, providing education for its hazardous material professionals, and making our world safe and healthier place to live. If you want to learn more about the AHMP and become a member, go to www.ahmpnet.org. That's www.ahmpnet.org. Well, we talked a little bit about your connection with labs and, and, and setting up, you know, a kind of a, you know, a standardized process to, to receive data from these, but, you know, maybe dig in just a little bit deeper of how that process works and how, what it looks like, you know, just for, you know, a common everyday listener that would want to say, Oh, well, how does that work? You know, um, maybe how you can, how does, how does a consumer order a test kit or how does a business kind of set up a simple app, which is more interesting. Well, I know I'm more like, you know, how, how is simple lab connecting with the labs? Like, you know, is, ah, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, like you've got your EDD format process and, and you've streamlined that whole process and explain a little bit to the listener. It's a little complicated because there's, 
connections with these labs that you know, get to connect to your lab and you got to just make sure it's just right. And, and it's got to be uniform or one little decimal place off might, you know, screw up the deliverable and <laughs> just hundred percent. Okay. I hear you. Okay. So there's this, I think one of the dorkier pieces of software is limbs laboratory information management systems. And I think every lab has one sure. limb systems. Yeah. Limbs. <laughs> <laughs> Just say some don't. I can't. I, can't I mean, honestly, some don't. You're right. Um, so you need to know where the samples are, right, when they arrive, and someone needs to be keeping track of where they are. So for people who aren't familiar with limb systems, the limb system is what a laboratory uses to track the kind of uh, life cycle of that sample as it arrives at the lab, moves through testing, data gets kind of uh, accrues to that sample in a sense from instruments, and then ultimately gets reported back to a client. That, that process is managed by a limb system. And um, there are several commercial limb systems out there. And there are also many labs that have built their own limb systems. And uh, you know this is probably the most interesting, boring story of all time, but I feel like the, the ascension of the US lab sector through the 70s, 80s and 90s, very much mirrored the ascension of the computer. Like you had yeah. uh, people opening and running these labs, engineers who were very interested in computers. So what do they do? They used computers to run their labs and their businesses. And every step of the way, they were investing in computers and writing their own software initially in old coding programs and over time upgrading them. But there's a lot of proprietary computer technology as a result, software, in the lab sector because of that confluence. Right. And I say there's these third-party commercial limb systems, but there are also many labs that use their own proprietary limb systems. And as a result, it makes it very complicated to get the data out of those limb systems in a scalable fashion across all labs. So we spend an enormous amount of time and effort making sure that our connection to those labs' limbs systems is is tight is evolving in the right direction getting smarter gathering more and more data from every sample like in the beginning you know in 2020 we were not gathering quality control data right it was just informational testing and consumers they don't need a level four lab report with yeah, all this information the result this is the results i need to know right over time clients got more sophisticated our ambition became more sophisticated and we started including level two level three level four quality control data in um, in our work with labs. And so I think the, if you know anything about limbs and getting data out of labs is that it's, a, it's an incredibly complicated space of a lot of data wrangling, a lot of communication with it teams, you know, many labs may not even have an in-house it team. So you have to talk to this third party team to coordinate changes to the limb system or to the EDD uh -huh. and, you know, and, um, we are increasingly trying to tighten the connections between data that's coming out of the lab and data that's going into the report. Um, and whilst doing that, we, we obviously learn a lot about what the lab's instruments are, what, what, what this lab can do. And the best labs, in our opinion, should win the most business. Like that's the driving principle. If you are very good at something, if you have the best turnaround time and the best um, quality control and your um, certification, your reviews by the accrediting body yeah. show that your, uh, your performance as a lab, performance under kind of blind studies is doing very well. That should surface you to, as the cream of the crop. It doesn't today. It's very difficult for um, a business, much less an amateur, to figure out like how, how well does this lab perform? Mm. That's very, true. very difficult. They wouldn't know. They don't know if they're NELAC certified. They don't know if they're, you know, meeting their QAQC requirements. They don't know if, if the lab results pass their whole time. They don't know all those things, right? That, you know, so those are things that I think uh, that's what Simple Labs, you know, kind of creating and demystifying for the users in a lot of ways and, and taking the complexity out of contracting and making heads and tails of the, uh, the data. Um, I think I think you guys are on to something uh, huge. Uh, you know, you're being the back end logistics for lab. I mean, you're like the FedEx of lab, you know, services. I mean, that's kind of in a way you could kind of. Yep. 
you know, and, and you know, make an analogy there. And I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, some of the some of the listeners that may, may be interested, like, are there any cool projects you guys are working on that you're supporting that listen, listeners may know? Like, wow, I didn't know Simple Lab was involved in these things. And that's a great use case for, you know, deploying Simple Lab for a project. I didn't think about that. Um, you know, it could be is something, you know, if the right person's listening, like maybe an attorney or some other company that might have issues with maybe some litigation or a large volume of data sets that, you know, they're like, wow, I, I could streamline my business. You know, do you have any projects you could, you know, kind of mention and um, without maybe. I think, yeah, without naming specific names. Yeah. Um, only because I, I, I don't want to do something that someone tells me afterwards I wasn't supposed to say. Um, you know, the kind of projects we do best are where you have very, um, very, uh, complex sampling protocols where you have many different users collecting samples or you have one user collecting many different types of samples and you need to keep everything organized and it's doubly more advantageous to use simple lab if this project takes place over time because with us you can kind of plug and play you tell us what you need to test for how often samples are going to be collected and everything else starts happening automatically they get shipped automatically you can track them automatically this works well for things like PFAS sampling and the 3M settlement. It works well for um, schools and lead testing and LCRR. Uh, it works well for regular testing that industrial users might have to do um, or regular cadence. Yeah. Um, and increasingly for things like lake management, where it is actually especially, I think, I mean, I'm, I've been nerding out in the lake and surface water subject now for about a year. Because I think it's this like, I think it's one of these. Uh, it should be much more. Uh, it should be much more talked about than it is, which is again, the effect of climate change, in particular, on our surface water is dramatic, especially yeah. relevant, you know, related to tap water. I mean, tap water at least goes through some form of treatment or filtration. There's professionals looking at it. Surface water is just sitting out there in the open, receiving all of the plastic, all the fertilizer, all the chemicals. <laughs> you know from the storms and the floods and the earthquakes you know it's just um in that world i think is especially um in need of better logistics for collecting samples it is very frustrating to get out there on your canoe in the middle of the lake and realize you have the wrong kit right you just wasted a whole day <laughs> and this happens a lot yeah. Yeah. So, so environmental groups that are, you know, overseeing maybe, you know, like a watershed, like I, in my small town, I have a, a, a environmental group called the friends of sugar Creek, you know, exactly. And, you know, they want to protect this natural resource that, you know, runs through our town and our community. And it's one of the best smallmouth bass fish fishing streams in the entire state. Right. And they're like, we want to protect our water quality. We want to protect things, uh, from getting into the stream and when I know what the results are. So that'd be a perfect example of, you know, using something. Right. And it's fun too. You're, you, projects like the one you're describing, like engage communities in very interesting new ways. Yeah. They, they get, they get the data themselves. They can see nitrate levels. They can see salt levels. They can see, um, they can share these reports. Pesticide Anyone can collect levels. them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yep. this is good. I love it. I love it. Well, I think this is a great, uh, those are some great use cases, Johnny. I mean, you've done a great job of, you know, getting this uh, program and this uh, company off the ground and running. I, I'm super, you know, excited to talk to you about what's what we did today and, and really uh, proud of what you guys have been doing. Just, you know, just seeing it. Cause I have, I mean, I've been involved with contracting labs and running analytical and, you know, over my career. And, and I know that the complexity involved and you guys have done something that's out of the box thinking that, you know, some, some environmental professionals do this service, but only like for their own people, right. They don't actually take mm. that same kind of service and extend it to like what you've done. Like, Hey, I'm the Domino's pizza order of, you know, you know, water testing or the FedEx ordering of water. I mean, I, you could track it on my, my phone, you know I mean? That's, People, they, they haven't thought through it like you have. And I think you've done a great job of, of you know, creating this this business. And um, it's pretty great. I love it. Um, so how do people Thanks connect? With you? Yeah. How do you, how do people connect with you, Johnny, and get a hold of Simple Lab? Um, 
Easiest way is to send us an email, you know, hello at gosimplelab.com. If you're just buying a water test for home and you're listening, uh, <laughs> uh, go to mytapscore.com. Very, very interesting process to go through, especially if you're a professional going through the process as a consumer is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, at least I've been told. Um, but otherwise, yeah, reach out at hello at gosimplelab.com. You can go to our website, gosimplelab.com or mytapscore.com. Um, live chat there usually gives you the fastest answers. Our team is very, very on top of uh, answering questions. And uh, otherwise, yeah, shoot an email to Sean, I suppose, or uh, the podcast or me. Always happy to talk. We're, we are a very accessible team. That's right. Hey, look, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, put your contact information on the website. Get it out to everybody. Um, really appreciate you coming on the show today, Johnny, and uh, good luck. Best of luck for Simple Lab and all your, all the good stuff you're doing. Appreciate it. Pleasure and honor was mine. Thank you very much, Sean. You bet. I want to thank our guest, Johnny Poolhall, for coming onto the show today. If you want to learn more about Simple Lab, check out their website at www.gosimplelab.com. We'll also put a link to their contact information on my website. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on all the major podcast networks or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. And remember, don't forget to follow us and please write a review about this episode. If you're also watching us on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Well, thanks for listening and until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today. Music.